All right, we're starting a brand new three-week series called Forward because we don't want you to be in that endless cycle. We don't want you to be stuck. Uh, We want you to move forward. We want you to advance. And uh, we want you to advance in your personal life. And we want our church to advance. We want to go forward. Um, The focus throughout the next three weeks are going to be on just that. We're going to be talking about how to move forward in your personal life. We're going to be talking about how we are going to move forward as a church. And throughout, throughout these three weeks, I'm going to be uh, asking you to answer some questions. And some of the questions that I'm going to be asking you to answer are questions like this. Is your life, as a follower of Jesus Christ, is your life so satisfying? Is your life so radiant, so filled with joy that people want what you have? I'm going to be asking you questions like, do people see the benefits? Do they see, um, yeah, do they see what's so positive or what, what's so good about your life being under the control of Jesus Christ? I'm going to be asking you questions like, Do people see Jesus in your character, in your integrity, in the way you lead your family, in your marriage, the way you lead your business, the the way you interact with your friends? Do they see Jesus in your life? I'm also going to be asking you to answer some questions about your church. Questions like, do you know, do you understand, are you excited about the vision and the mission of your church. I'm going to be asking you to answer questions about your church like, do you know why or the purpose of why your church even exists? How do we move forward personally and how do we move forward as a church? Welcome to Grace Church, all right? Man, uh, this is a place where we're not afraid to talk about things that really, really matter. I want to welcome all of those that are watching online this morning, all of you that are here in person, and it is looking fuller and fuller. This is exciting. It's so great to have you here with us this morning, and uh, I want to welcome, uh, welcome you here, and I believe God's going to speak to you this morning, and I'm excited about the message that He's given to me to share with you this morning. Um, I've titled this sermon this morning... Where are we? Okay, where are we? If you don't know, we're in Durango, Colorado. All right, just to make it clear, but uh, we're going to be talking about where are we spiritually? Where are we um, in our life? Are we moving forward? Where are we? Sometime back, I actually was listening to a, a teacher that I really respect. His name is Dr. Henry Cloud, and he was given the illustration or the example um, using some friends of his who are Navy SEALs. And he was talking about the moment they they parachute out of a plane and the moment that they touch ground on enemy territory, they ask themselves three different questions. And he was talking about the moment they land on enemy territory, they ask themselves these three questions. And the first question they ask themselves uh, is, where am I? They need to know where they're at. The second question they ask is, where is the enemy? They need to know where the enemy is, because the enemy's trying to destroy them, right? 
And then the third question they ask is, where is my buddy? Where am I? Where is the enemy? And where is my buddy? And I think these are fantastic questions for you to ask yourself as we go into the sermon today. Like, where are you? Where is the enemy maybe advancing in your life? And where is your buddy? Like, who are you moving forward with in this thing called faith? Today, we're trying to answer the question, where are we? And why does it even matter? Like, where are we? Where are you personally? Where are we as a church? And once again, I want you to know that we're going to be looking through the lens of your life personally, and we're also going to be looking through the lens of your church. Where are we? Where are you? You see, the scripture says that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So when we gather together like this online or when we gather together physically, um, if we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ, I think that would then, I guess, make us an embassy, right? The church is an embassy. I don't know if you have realized this or know this or not, but America has embassies all over the world. In every major recognized country, there is an American embassy. And an American embassy is really a little bit of America a long way from home. Okay? It's it's a little bit of heaven. Not heaven. It's a little bit of uh, America a long way from home. It's a place where the laws of America rule. All embassies are sovereign territories and they don't belong to the country that they're in. They belong to the country they're from. So if you get into trouble in another country, you want to cross that embassy gate because um, the moment you cross that embassy gate, the laws of America kick in. Not the laws of the country where um, the embassy is located. You see, God has an embassy in history. It's called the church. The church is God's embassy to bring the values of the homeland into foreign territory. You see, the, the world that we live in is foreign territory. The scriptures communicate over and over again that this world is not our home. But God has an embassy in this world and it's called the church. The embassy or the church is, is not to represent the country that it's in, but rather the country that it's from. You've all probably heard the Lord's Prayer, but you know, there's a part in the Lord's Prayer that says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So my question to us collectively this morning is, does the church represent the homeland? Does Grace Church represent the homeland? Can God trust this embassy? And if the church is an embassy of God, that would make those of you who follow Jesus Christ ambassadors of Christ. So once again, I ask, do people see Christ in you? Do they see Christ 
in your marriage. They see Christ in the way you interact with your friends and your family. In Matthew chapter 16, that's where we're going to be spending most of our time this morning. But in Matthew chapter 16, we have the first mention of the word church in the Bible. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, they were in a place that was called Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus was actually talking with the group of disciples, so there there was a, a, a few of them. And Jesus asks them a question in verse 13. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, and he asks them, who do people say that I am? In other words, like, what's kind of the word on the street? Like, What's, what are people saying about my identity, Jesus was asking? Who do people say that I am? Like when you're talking with people in the grocery store or in the gas station, you know, and um, you're just having a conversation, who do people say that I am? And the disciples began to compliment Jesus Christ. And they said, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist. And other people say that you're Elijah. And some people say that you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And these were all great men. They were complimenting Jesus. But then Jesus asks them a second question. In Matthew chapter 16, the last part of verse 15, he says, but who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? In other words, are you kind of just following the crowd? Are you kind of just doing the church thing because that's what other people are doing? Are you just kind of half-hearted in this thing called the church? Or is this personal to you? Does this really matter to you? And I think Jesus is asking you that very question this morning. Who do you say that Jesus is? Peter, who was kind of the spokesman for the group, uh, you know, when you read Peter throughout um, the Scriptures, he sometimes would talk before he would think. Um, I like to think that maybe his socks were made out of peppermint because his foot was in his mouth all the time, right? He liked to have his foot in the mouth. And uh, so he just, he would talk before he would think. But this time, Peter nails it. Peter answered in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16, and he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter identifies Jesus as the Messiah. And the Messiah was the anticipated king or the anticipated ruler that would bring heaven to earth. And Jesus compliments Peter in verse 17. He says, You are blessed, Simon, son of Barjona, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. He was saying that this is a divinely ordained declaration. This when, when Peter declared that Jesus was the Messiah, this was planned out long before Peter, that this was going to happen. And the whole point of what Jesus was trying to communicate is this. If you skip Jesus, you will never be made right with God. You cannot skip Jesus and be right with God. And that brings us to the the first very important question that I want to present to you this morning. The first very important question that I want you to answer personally in your own heart, in your own mind, is this. Do you know to whom you belong? Do you know to whom you belong? 
Jesus is the way to God the Father. You cannot skip over Jesus and be right with God. Listen, the only way to be made right with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. So personally, I ask you again, where are you? Are you in the family of God? Have you been made right with God through Jesus Christ? Or are you just trying to be a good person? Like, man, I'm going to just try to to be a better man or a better woman than I was last year, and I hope that God will be impressed and He'll let me into His kingdom. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it does not work that way. The Scripture says that there is none righteous, no, not one. The only way to impress God is through Jesus Christ. You see, when God looks at Justin Ross, he sees sinfulness. He's not impressed with Justin Ross, but at the age of 13, when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, came and dwelt within me. The scripture says that I'm now covered by Jesus Christ. So now when God looks at Justin Ross, he doesn't see something that he's not impressed with. Now when he sees Justin Ross, he sees Jesus. And that's what he's impressed with. The only way into the kingdom of God is through Jesus. So I ask you, where are you? Are you in the family of God? And then Jesus makes his declaration about his embassy called the church. He makes a bold declaration. He says to Peter in in Matthew 16, in the last part of verse 18, he says, on this rock, I will build my church. I want you to know that in this section of scripture in Matthew 16, the word rock is used two different times. And sometimes people get it confused and They think that Jesus was telling Peter that, hey, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter, because his name means rock. But in the Greek, uh, his name actually means pebble. It's like just a little, little stone, okay? It's not very impressive. But when he says, on this rock I will build my church, he uses a completely different Greek word. And he uses the word Petra, okay? And he says, this is the rock I'm going to build my church on. So the church is not built on Peter. Instead, it's built on the rock. Petra. Which is actually, this is so cool, okay? It's actually a collection of stones that have been spliced or melted or bonded together to form something bigger than any one stone could be on its own. It's the body of Christ. It's a collection of stones. And when you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're committed to His church, He's speaking about you being a part of that Petra. You know what the church is supposed to be? It's supposed to be a rock. A collection of believers who come together that represent the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Listen, the church is not just another social gathering. The church is not just simply a religious gathering. It's a gathering of ambassadors of Jesus who form an embassy for the kingdom of heaven. And listen, when people come to church, it should be a little taste of heaven here on earth. It should be. 
The job of the church is to draw heaven into history. To help keep people focused on eternal things. Things that are going to last forever. And not get distracted by temporal things. Things that won't last forever. That brings us to the second important question that I want to ask us this morning. Do you know where you belong? Do you know to whom you belong? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you a child of God? And then secondly, do you know where you belong? Have you committed or are you connected to the Petra? That collection of stones joined together to form something bigger than any one stone could be on its own. Are you part of the ecclesia, the church of God? Do you know where you belong? Jesus goes on to say, Matthew 16, the last part of verse 18, He says, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Please notice something. The church is not playing defense. The church is on offense. The church is to be advancing, to be moving forward. Hell is on the defense. Okay? Please notice that. Verse 19. Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want us to kind of pause for just a moment. I want us to focus in on two words in those verses that I just read to you. I want us to focus on the words gates and keys. Okay, Let's talk about gates for just a moment. Jesus said, the gates of hell, okay, gates plural, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the Petra, the church. Why, why did he use the word gates? So, Let's talk about gates. Gates are used, right, to to keep people out or to keep people in. Or if you're cruising down a path and you come to a gate, it can block your advancement. It can block you from moving forward. So a gate can block you. Hell wants to block the forward advancement of God. Hell wants to block your life personally. You're, you're, you're moving forward personally. You're growing in your faith. Your marriage is getting stronger. Your family's getting stronger. You're getting your finances in order. Watch out, because hell is going to try to block that path. And hell is going to try to keep you from moving forward personally. Hell is also going to try to block the forward advancement of the church. Man, we're growing, we're, we're seeing people saved and baptized, and we're seeing you know, people connecting and small groups starting. It's like, watch out, because hell is going to try to block the advancement of the church. So practically, how does that work? Once again, we're looking through the lens of your life personally, and we're looking through the lens of your church. So what does a gate look like personally? You know you want to get healthy, Right? Man, you want to you get healthy and, and, and maybe physically fit. You want to get your health on track. But the gate that could be blocking your path could be lack of discipline. 
You want to have a healthy marriage, but the gate that's blocking your path is, is maybe it's, it's busyness. Maybe you're a workaholic and you're just not spending any time with your spouse. Maybe the, the gate that's blocking your forward advancement in your marriage is self-centeredness. Like maybe the only person you can think about is yourself. Like you're not thinking about your spouse. Or, or maybe the gate is addictions. Maybe you're addicted to pornography or to drugs or to alcohol and your marriage isn't advancing because it's blocked because of addictions. Maybe you want to have strong friendships, but the gate that's blocking your way is unfriendliness. Maybe you're just not a friendly person. That's why you don't have any friends. Maybe, maybe you don't have any friends because you might be a jerk. Okay? Maybe it's judgment, right? Or self-righteousness. It's like you're struggling having friends because no one is at your level spiritually. You don't have time for these low lives spiritually. What, what if we looked through the lens of our church? Let's get real, shall we? I didn't hear anything. Let's get real, shall we? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm not going to get tar and feathered or something. All right. Uh, tar and feathered. I think I heard that from you, Dad. That's an old term, huh? Has anybody ever been tar and feathered in this room? That's a weird statement. Okay. One of the gates that's blocking the forward movement of Grace Church is the gate of distraction. We have been inundated with distractions. Over the last two or three years, we have faced a tremendous amount of distractions. And I think it's been a gate that has blocked the forward movement of Grace Church. Many people have been distracted by an age-old trick of Satan. And I've heard this from numerous people that I've talked with and just interacted with around Grace Church But the age-old trick is people have been blocked, and I think the church as a whole has been blocked because of busyness. Listen, if if Satan can't get you to sin, he's going to make you busy. And it can be a distraction that keeps us from moving forward. We've also seen other distractions like you know, staff members moving to other states and other families that were serving in leadership roles that moved away and Listen, just to be very clear, the, the moves were not bad, okay? But it, it left gaps in our ministry that we had to focus on, and it just kind of took our attention away from going forward, and we had to make sure the, the gaps were filled. We dealt with a lot of spiritual battles that would just come out of nowhere. I mean, like intense spiritual battles in, in some marriages and in some personal lives and Sometimes, I mean, just to be very real and raw with you, like sometimes just random people that would come into the church and they would bring some intense spiritual battles. And I understand it's going to be a spiritual fight, but it was like, it was heavy and burdensome and it was, it was a distraction. It was keeping us from moving forward. 
And last but certainly not least, we've been dealing with the distraction of a pandemic, right? Oh my gosh, that's been a little bit distracting. But I think the gate of distraction has kept us from chasing and fulfilling the vision and the mission that God has given us. Secondly, I think Grace Church is standing at the gate of apathy. A lack of interest in the things of God. Can you see, though, that maybe if we're so busy doing this and that, it's like we start to lose interest in maybe things that really, really matter. I think the gate of apathy is a lack of commitment to the cause of Christ. And I say this, I say this lovingly, and I'm looking at a mirror, okay? I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to anyone in this room or anyone watching online, but I have to remind myself, and I want to remind you, church, that there is a real heaven, and there is a real hell, and people are going to spend eternity. What I'm saying is my neighbors, my friends, they're not going to be reached magically. I have to be intentional to build bridges to my neighbors and to my friends. I can't be apathetic about reaching the world. Another gate that's blocking the forward advancement of Grace Church is the gate of fear. It's that unpleasant emotion that causes many of us not to move. Because it might be too dangerous. We, we might fail. We might lose some friendships. People might leave the church. And so out of fear, we don't go. Instead of moving forward, our path is blocked because of fear. And then lastly, Grace Church has been facing the gate of what I would call lukewarmness. And I'm going to let Jesus speak to this one. He says this in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23. Jesus said, this is that, actually, I didn't get these scriptures to Lane to put on the screen, so if you have your Bible, feel free to turn to Luke chapter 9. You can read along with me, okay? I'm going to read them out loud. Luke 9, verse 23. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Okay, listen to this. This is Jesus talking. This is so important. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Listen, the, the church of God will never reach its full potential if it's built around one personality or a few people. The church was never intended to be a show that you come and watch. No, if we're going to complete the mission that God has given us, the vision that God has given us, and that 
mission and that vision is to reach people, to see marriages healed, to see people set free from addictions, to see people set free from the bondage of debt and all kinds of financial burdens, and to see the, this region, which this region is La Plata County and it's Archuleta County and it's Montezuma County, and to see God really move, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take the Petra, the collection of stones joined together to form something bigger than any one stone could be or do on its own. It's going to take the Petra. So hell blocks your path, or tries to. Hell tries to block the forward movement of the church. But you know what? I'm here to give you a lot of hope this morning because Jesus didn't just leave us standing at these gates blocking our forward advancement. In verse 19 of Matthew chapter 16, He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. How many of you have ever lost your keys? All right? How many of you lose your keys maybe once a week? Okay? This guy right here, all right? I'm like the worst. I have in my car, it's like you don't have to stick the key in anymore. That used to help me like keep track of my keys. So now I throw it in the cup holder, in the glove box. I lose my keys all the time. But you're not going very far without your keys, right? You're not going to go very far if you don't have keys to your car or keys to unlock your business or keys to your house. You're not going very far without your keys. And I want you to notice once again, when Jesus talks about keys, he says, keys, plural. And I believe he's talking about gates, plural, and keys, plural, because our life is a journey. And we're going to encounter multiple gates. And we're going to need multiple keys. And you may experience a breakthrough in one area of your life and you're growing as you journey down the road of life, you're going to experience where hell is trying to block you again. So you're going to need the keys of heaven. And I actually brought a visual to help us understand this a little bit better. I know you guys love my artistic work and my artistic ability, all right? But uh, boom, check these out. Yeah, look at those keys, all right? You're like, you didn't make those. You're right, I didn't make these. (laughs) This is Katie's work. Thanks, Katie, by the way. We're going to auction these off after the service. All proceeds go to G-Kids. All right. Um, I just wanted you, for you visual learners, all right, it's more than one key. But let's, let's look through the personal lens again, all right? I gave the example of, man, you want to get healthy, but you're lacking discipline. What if the key to that gate was a pretty simple one, and that was discipline, right? Man, maybe the key that's going to open that gate to to be healthier is, and you need to practice some discipline in your life. Or maybe it's accountability. Maybe you need to get a buddy that will hold you accountable on your journey towards better health physically. We talked about personally, you want a, a healthier marriage, but you're blocked by the gate of busyness. You're not, you're not taking time for your spouse. Maybe you're a workaholic and, man, you're just... You kind of put your nose down and you, you just plunge ahead, you know? Maybe the key to that gate could be, you know, making a schedule with your spouse to make better use of your time. Or maybe 
It could be communicating expectations. And just talking through, like, what is our dream? What is our hope? What are we selling out to? What are we giving our time to? Do we really need this big of a house? Or could we downsize so that we have more time for each other? What are we giving our time to? What are we giving our wallet to? What are we giving our energy towards? Maybe it would be good to communicate about that. Personally, once again, you may have the desire to have good, healthy friendships, but the gate that is blocking you is unfriendliness. To open that gate, maybe just practice or take a step forward and just try to be friendly. Invite someone to lunch after church or invite someone into your home for dinner or to, to you know, have a movie night or just do something to, to say, hey, I, I, want, I want friendship. Be friendly. This is like common sense 101. Okay? It's not going to be shocking to anybody, but if, if you're unkind, if you're mean, if you're always criticizing people and pointing out their flaws and man you're always talking behind people's back and you're gossiping and you're tearing people down you ain't gonna have no friends okay it's just how it works but maybe the key to that gate would be kindness what if instead of tearing people down you built people up What if you were actually looking for the gold in people instead of all the dirt? What if when someone was experiencing success, you like cheered them on? Even though you may not be experiencing the same level of success, you were like, hey, way to go. I'm proud of you. I know some of us, you know, on social media, you've debated, like, should I like this? Should I, you know, I don't, uh, uh, just like it. Like, push the like button. I'm happy for them, right? And then move on with your life. My gosh. Like, celebrate people. Point out people's strengths. The bottom line is just be friendly. And you'll have some more friends. What about the lens of the church? We talked about four different gates. We talked about the gate of distraction. What if the key to that gate was belief? Like, do we really believe what we believe? What if the key to that gate was relationship with God? Or not trying to be all things to all people. We've had conversation in, in, in leadership meetings here at Grace Church quite often, and I think we've been guilty of that as a church sometimes. We've, we've been guilty of trying to do everything trying to be all things to all people. And we've talked about, hey, what if we actually just, like, what is Grace Church good at? And let's be good at that. And let's do it really well. The other gate we talked about was the gate of apathy. Maybe the keys, as you can see, I kind of got those mixed up. But we'll be all right. The gate was apathy. Maybe the keys to that is belief. Relationship with God, being bought in to the cause. The reality is, is is if you have a personal encounter with the Almighty God, you cannot be apathetic. It's, It's like impossible. 
when you encounter Jesus, when you encounter Jesus, you can't be apathetic. Last Monday, we met as a pastor team and a dear friend of mine, Louise Powers-Ackley, she's always at our pastor team meetings taking notes and just helping us in that way. And I presented the question to them, like, what is... What are the gates that are blocking the forward movement of Grace Church? And we had a fabulous conversation, and it was, it was really wonderful, to be honest with you. And Louise actually spoke up, and she said some things. And, and I know you probably all feel this way when you talk with me, you know, that, oh, man, is this going to end up on a video somewhere, you know? Like, I'm like, <clears throat> I know I'm guilty of that, but um, when Louise talked, I said, gosh, Louise, can you just say this again on a video? Like, the church has got to hear this. It was so good. And so we made a little video. And uh, she talks about, do you believe what you believe? So check out this video from Louise. Several days ago, Justin asked a few of us what we thought was preventing the church from going forward. As others were offering ideas, my response came to my mind as another question asked by Del Tackett. Do you really believe what you really believe is real? And then I wondered, do we believe with every fiber of our being that the creator of the universe knows our name? Do we really believe that that the God of the universe so wanted a relationship with each of us that he sent his beloved son to a torturous death so that we could have that relationship? Do we realize that the good wine is free for us, but that it cost him everything? Do we know God as a person with a capital P? Do we love him desperately and thirst to be in his presence? Do we, as Isaiah wrote, listen diligently to his words and delight ourselves in him? Do we realize the honor of being allowed to work in his kingdom? the honor of being the tangible manifestation of Christ to others? If we can say yes, then as Jesus said, not even the gates of hell would be able to prevail against the church. I just love that statement. You know, do you really believe what you believe. You know, the, the third gate we talked about as a church was the gate of fear. And the key to unlocking that gate is a, an obvious one, and that is the key of faith. We've got to move forward in faith. It's the key of courage. It's the key of being willing to take a risk. It's like John Wayne when he said, it's, it's being scared to death, but saddling up anyways, Right? For all you John Wayne fans out there, younger generations are like, who's John Wayne? So sad. And then we talked about the gate of lukewarmness. And I think the keys to that gate could be commitment. Seriously, just just stop trying to do it your way and surrender to the way of God. Like, do it God's way. Commit to His path. Commit to His way. The key to lukewarmness is also sacrifice. 
Like we all know that moving forward is always going to involve some pain. It's always going to involve some sacrifice, but it's worth it. It's worth it, and it could be the key of being others-focused. I mean, my gosh, there's so many self-help books out there today, but what if we stopped focusing on self a little bit and we actually focused on others? Man, I think that could unlock that gate of lukewarmness. The reality is, is if if you can't find the keys, if you don't use the keys, you're not going to be going anywhere. You're not going to advance forward. And I have to say something this morning in boldness, just as a a gut check, a reality check, kind of like, let's, let's make sure we stay focused on the right things. But I think in the season that we're in as a country, the season that we're in politically, I do have to say that if if you're more devoted to a political party than you are to the kingdom of God, you have to check yourself. You might be a Benedict Arnold. For those of you that don't know the story of Benedict Arnold, he betrayed his country. Man, let's make sure that we stay focused on what's going to last for eternity Eternal things, not temporal things, eternal things. Let's make sure we're focused on the right kingdom. So how do we, how do we know if we're doing church right? How do we know? We know because hell is not winning. That's how we know we're doing church right. So I have to ask you, where are you personally Where are we as a church? When I ask where are you personally, only you can answer that. You know where you're at. You know what you're struggling with. You know where your heart's at. When I ask the question, where are we as a church, I think from my perspective, I think we're standing at the gates of distractions, apathy, fear, and lukewarmness. And if we hope to move forward, We had better use the kingdom keys of focus and belief and courage and relationship and commitment and sacrifice and the willingness to take a risk. I think those gates will open up and we'll see God do things that we've never seen Him do before. But I always want to remind us that the path forward is always paved with uncertainty. All right? But let's step out. That's why it's called faith. Let's step out in faith and let's go where God leads us to go. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time for us to gather. And I pray that you would use the words that were spoken. And I ask through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would take those words and you would do some special things with it in the hearts and the minds and the lives of the people that are watching online and those that are here in person. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. I pray that you would get me out of the way. You would just, um, you would have the freedom to speak to people and people would really listen to you this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, and we did this on purpose, we're actually going to sing two songs. And the reason why we did this is we just want to give you some time to reflect on the message, to to hear from God, to kind of let it just settle a little bit. I just want to encourage you to listen to God. Let him speak to you. And then take action. Do something with what you've heard this morning, okay? Remember, you're-
you're not coming to a show. You're a part of the Petra. You're a part of the church. Active church that's moving forward to accomplish and to bring light into a lost and dying world. God bless you, church. It's great to have you.